0: You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is oh so good. I make a nice little marinade, sauté some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some rice, And it is an amazing dinner. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to joindelete me dot com slash etm and use code ETM for 20% off.
1: I think the thing that I would tell myself is like really have some intensity and energy behind it. It can be really easy when you're in debt to like feel like you're waiting a lot of the time. So the, I, I got into the season where like if I knew payday was on Friday and it was Tuesday and I didn't have money in the account, I was just sort of like not living between Tuesday and Friday. I was just sort of waiting for the paycheck to hit so I could do something with that money and get further ahead. head. And what I would tell myself now is like, listen, that's four days you can be innovative and creative. That's four days you can like make some phone calls to reduce expenses. That's four days that you can um, increase some revenue somehow or other. You can create, you can do all kinds of things, but like put some intensity and energy behind it because the longer you wait, the longer it takes. Welcome to Everyone's
0: Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Before we jump into the episode, if you haven't done so already, head on over to Apple Podcasts. There is a link in the show notes and leave us a review for the show. These reviews help us continue to grow the show. And in your review, tell me what your biggest New Year's intention is. I'm going to be highlighting a few throughout the month and I would love to showcase yours. Okay, we're starting out this New Year strong and talking about a goal that might feel very personal to you, getting out of debt if you've ever tried it, you know it's tricky. You have to really work on your relationship with money and be willing to change habits and just look at money in a whole new light. Our guest, Erin Sky Kelly, wrote her new book, Get the Hell Out of Debt. I love that title, rooted in her story of getting out over $2.1 million in debt. Her book, and frankly, this episode, is a judgment-free zone jam-packed with tips to really revolutionize your relationship with money and strategically come up with a plan to get rid of your debt. You'll learn how getting out of debt will open up opportunities to build wealth beyond what you can imagine, more about Aaron's personal debt-free journey, and small steps you can start taking right now. Aaron, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank
1: you so much for being here. Shauna, I love your podcast, so I am honored to be here.
0: I want to start here. So on your website, you say that you teach people how to transform their lives through their relationships to money and each other while having fun in the process. So talk to us about, I guess, the significance of our relationship with money, because most of us don't have fun with money. So like, what are we missing?
1: (laughs) Well, I think that's why people end up with financial stress, especially in relationships or marriages that are long term. Um, You know, we often hear the quote that, like, the number one thing that people fight about is money. And I think it's because we, we don't have a good relationship with money as individuals. And so I think it's just really, really critical that money be like an expression of who you are versus like this math equation that you constantly feel like you have to, you know, solve and that you're constantly failing at. Cause I just, you know, there's so many amazing things that money can do in terms of your quality of life. And so if you can sort of master those things by mastering your own relationship with money, you can have better relationships with the people that actually matter.
0: And I guess even stepping a little bit back from that, this concept of having a relationship with our money i think for a lot of people still feels a little strange like how do we uncover what our relationship even is
1: that's such a good question okay so how basically what money does is it's like a it's an external representation of like what is actually happening within you so if somebody has you know what we would call a worthiness issue or somebody you know doesn't feel like they're deserving oftentimes they also have Um, an unhealthy relationship with money so that might show up as they they carry a lot of debt they give a lot of money away or they're helping other people all the time like they might have bad money boundaries and so they're constantly giving money away to help other people but not taking care of their own well-being first you know not planning for their own retirement or that kind of a thing and so that like when we understand that like money is it's just sort of like a, a form of energy. Oh, gosh, I sound so woo-woo and I'm not woo-woo at all. <laughs> um, but it's 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 just like basically a representation of how you show up. That really then can change the way you view money and how you treat it. Just like if you're in a relationship, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with a terrible person, but I made some uh, yes, d- I have. <laughs> terrible dating decisions when I was younger, right? And when I was in those relationships, basically what was happening was when I was in a relationship with somebody who treated me poorly or or who I couldn't get along with, I was allowing that to happen. And I was trying to put their needs above mine. And I was walking on eggshells and I did all kinds of like really terrible things, but it wasn't until I fixed the part in me that needed to be kind of tended to, fixed is not the right word either, but you know what I mean? Like I needed to do that sure. inner work first, that then my external relationships became better. And it's the same with money. Mm,
0: yeah. I love it. Wow. Uh, even thinking about the idea of, of debt, because I know that's something that is so heavy for so many people. And I tell people that the reality, I believe the reality is that from what I've seen, people move in and out of debt throughout their lifetime. It's most people don't just pay off debt. And for the rest of their life, there, there isn't debt, but maybe they re, redefine their relationship with debt, uh, mm-hmm. kind of through that process. And sometimes just crap comes up in life where maybe we have to go into debt. And that's just what happens. That's kind of the nature of of life. But I want to talk about your, your new book, uh, Get the Hell Out of Debt, which by the way, I love the title. Thank you. <laughs> And I know it's rooted in, in your own story of, of getting out of debt. You were in some big number, like $2.1 million That's of debt. Number. Yep. So, okay. Tell us your story. And why do you think the process of getting out of debt is just so
1: wildly tough for so many of us? Well, I think it's wildly tough because it's so easy to get into, right? It's like, it's like anything that we want to do to make our lives better. If we want to get healthy and we've been, you know, eating junk food for a large portion of our lives, switching from, you know, Big Macs to broccoli is a really tough transition for a lot of people. (laughs) And so it's that thing where it's like, you know, debt is so normal and it's so prevalent and it's such a, like it's sold to us in such an easy way that um, sort of mastering that part of you that thinks you need it is the part that really can set you up to, you know, sort of mm-hmm. change your financial freedom process. I guess the, the thing that people need to know, like when it comes to my story is like, I thought I was doing everything right. Like I did everything, like how you're supposed to do it. I had great credit. I bought a bunch of rental properties. I was like really wealthy on paper, but I didn't have enough cash. And I didn't, realize that the banks, like every time they would give me money, it wasn't because I was a good person or because I was smart with money. It was because they knew they could make an interest payment off of me and that I would put their needs ahead of mine and fight really hard to make all those payments to keep my credit score really high. Um, but to the detriment of my own financial well-being. And so I really like woke up one day when I was like, why am I broke? Like on paper, I have so much money. I should be like, Kim Kardashian and I am not and I you know added everything up and I was like wow I'm 2.1 million dollars in debt and I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it it like I just ke- it just kept becoming accessible and the the solution I kept trying was trying to refinance or consolidate or borrow to get out of debt and and I quickly realized that that was like a losing game so you know in that process figuring that out and then really learning how to redefine my relationship with debt and understand like wow this is a business this is not about convenience this is not about helping me meet my needs this is you know as a privileged person debt is accessible and and it's there because i'm making lending like lending institutions or lenders more profitable They're not doing it as a favor to me. They're doing it because they're making money off of me. And when I realized that it was a business and I started to really understand how money works and what its purpose is in my life, that's really when I started to change my own relationship with it. But what was interesting is so many other people came up to me, people that I thought were successful financially, like realtors, lawyers, financial planners, accountants, like people who worked in financial services were coming up to me and whispering like, I am so screwed. How are you doing this? Like, please teach me what you know. And so that really started the process of like, why are we as a culture in so much debt, especially consumer debt? And do we need to be? And, and redefining that, you know, maybe, maybe we don't, maybe there is another way when possible.
0: Okay. There were a lot of gems in what you just said. (laughs) I want to pull one out and have you just go a little bit deeper into it. So you talked about this idea of, of figuring out how money works Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Like how how does money work? And like what are we getting wrong?
1: Well, I you know, I don't know that we're getting anything wrong because I just think we're not being taught in the first place, right? Like most people that are, you know, in their 20s and 30s, when I have a conversation with them, they actually don't know what an asset is. Like mm-hmm. when I'm like, what is an asset? They're like, I don't know, my car or my house. And those are not assets. And so we're not being it's not that we're not getting it wrong, it's it's that. Like what is an asset is being disguised. And what's happening is it's being disguised because it is something that a lending institution can lend against in order to earn a profit. So if we are all taught that our cars and our homes are assets, then we're more likely to go into debt for them because we feel like we're doing a good thing. And if instead we were taught from a very young age, listen, if you're like, here's how compounding works, here's how, here's what an actual asset is, here's how to acquire them. Then what happens is we're setting ourselves up to be in a position where if we do want to buy a liability, like a car or a house, it's not requiring us to trade in our lives. Like we're all trading so much time. Most of us give 40 to 50 years of our lives away in occupations that we don't like in order to keep up debt payments for things that we don't even really love. And it's making us miserable as a society. And so understanding that, wait a second, maybe getting out of school with a student loan and then immediately you know, getting into a relationship that's long-term, anchoring ourselves to a 30-year mortgage, buying a bunch of vehicles is not the key to happiness that we're being sold.
0: I like it because it's certainly something I talk about on this show a lot. And something that I'm just like personally very fascinated by is that the kind of old school way that we're taught about money, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, it doesn't... It doesn't, it's not what I've seen actually create what I would call quote unquote wealth and also what I would call some sort of balance or quality of life. And yet yes. we just kind of graduate college and we just kind of, or whether we graduate college or not is sort of irrelevant to the equation, but yeah. we just grow up and we start thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah like here's, here's the linear path that we take. And if we're not on that path, like we must not be doing it. Right. But that path doesn't make us happy. It doesn't make us wealthier. It doesn't, there's none of that. And so it's like a scratch your head moment
1: of, wait a minute, why are we even doing this? Yes. Preach. I love that. It's so true. And I think that's the, the, the kind of way we're failing our kids when you, you know, back to your question about like, what are we getting wrong? I think that's connected to it because we're not asked. I remember like, nobody asked me like, what is it that lights you up? Or like, you know, they were asking me like, how much money do you think you need to make? And then here's the list of careers that suit that. And here's the list of careers that might suit your personality versus being like, how do you actually want to contribute to this earth? How do you want to show up for people? How do you want to express love? How do you want to see the world? How do you want to, you know, all those other little things that really make life joy filled.
0: And it seems so simple. And so I think that's why like so many of us don't actually stop and like consider those things because it just seems like, well, it can't just be that simple, right? right? <laughs> right. But but it actually, it actually is. Uh, like I, I'm curious when kind of your debt journey, debt payoff journey, and when you talk to other people, like how important is that? Um, another thing we might overlook, but like that visualization piece of like what it would feel like to get out of debt and like kind of keeping that in your frame of mind, because it is a tough journey.
1: Well, I think that's a, you know, when you, when you, I don't know, like, I guess when you look at all of the monthly payments that people have accumulated over their life, right. And if you were to like add up that number and go, listen, if I didn't owe this mortgage or rent money, if I didn't owe this car payment, if I didn't owe these credit card payments or these loan payments or these, you know, if I didn't like, and if I added up that money every month, and now I were to compound that. If I, you know, put it in my little, I'm such a nerd. I have a compound interest calculator on my phone. I'm so boring yeah. at parties. <laughs> but you know, I put it in my compound interest calculator and I look at like what I could do with that money in five, 10, 15, 20 years. We can start to see how, like, oh, these little decisions that we make add up to a huge difference in the long run. And and if what actually makes me happy, let's say you know I've got this friend named Lisa Alexander, and she's amazing, and she's funny, and smart, and beautiful, and all of the things. She's amazing human, and she's got a little tattoo of an airplane on her wrist. And I said one day, "What is that about?" And she's like, "I have wanderlust. Like I I love to travel. I want to travel the world. I want to see every corner of this planet." And that's what lights her up. But if Lisa took the Get the Hell Out of Debt program because she had a ton of debt, what what? she's actually doing without realizing it is she's limiting her ability to do those things. She's limiting her ability to do the things that make her happy because she's anchored into this monthly payment. And then what happens is when we're miserable and we've let's say paid off one or two things and we think, gosh, I need to go on a vacation. Well, she doesn't have the cash to do that. So she's got to then put the new trip on the debt and she's in the same cycle over and over and over again. So if instead she could go, Gosh, you know, I maybe I have to work hard for 5 years or something, you know, like put my head down and right. and work a little harder, but it'll give me 40 years of freedom and I can travel the world while I do it and I can figure out how to work abroad or whatever. Like that could be an option for her, or maybe her option is I don't work really hard, I start incorporating travel into my life from an early age and I just start putting money away for like there's all kinds of ways you can do it but without really knowing Where your money's going, what you're anchoring to, what it is that you really want, and like what represents happiness for you. You end up building a life that like maybe your parents built or maybe other people see as successful, and you're actually flipping miserable and it's so much harder to get out of. So, really paying attention to like how those monthly payments affect you is like an understanding that, wow, like what if I made decisions so I didn't have these anymore? And then any income I earned actually came to me to live my life and or build some assets so that I can, those assets can further pay for my life down the road. Like it just changes the whole conversation around money because now you're not like, how am I going to ask my boss that I don't like for a raise? You know, how am I going to afford parking at work? Like you're not making little decisions, you're making big decisions, but they're actually impactful and, and make you happier in the long run.
0: for your extended 30 day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, EarnIt provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. EarnIt is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the EarnIt app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work, and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use earnin' in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earning a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earning, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earning today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under Podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under Podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters, and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. And the one thing we can't get back in this life is time. So Absolutely. if we spent those 40, 50 years and we look back and we're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've never actually been happy where as we could, however old we are right now today, make those decisions to start, um, like you said, even if it is four or five years away, at least that's, uh, we're being proactive today about, about making those choices and putting ourselves back in control.
1: Yeah. If you ask any 40 year old, like if you're in your twenties, go find a 40 year old and be like, Hey, what do you wish you'd done differently financially when you were my age? And they will all tell you like, Oh my gosh, don't get into debt. Like they'll all like beg you. Right. And same thing. If you ask a 50 year old or a 60 year old, they all wish that they'd started younger doing things that set them up for financial freedom early. So no matter how old you are, there is somebody older than you who wishes they were in your shoes. Cause you have the luxury of more time than they have.
0: Mm, Yeah. Love it. So I want to roll up our sleeves a little bit. I, I don't want to spoil everything in the book, of course, because I want everyone to read it, but can you tell us like, what are some of kind of the, the, the core principles that we need to know if we're on the getting out of debt journey right now, where do we start? Well, I think the first thing
1: I've divided the book into three phases and it's sort of how we've been teaching people for years how to get out of debt. So phase one is like understanding financial fundamentals. So it's like how money works. um, But more importantly, how you work with money. Because there's a lot of debt books out there, financial books out there that are like, you know, spend less than you earn. And like, duh, we all know the math behind it, right? But we're all breathing human beings who make decisions based on our feelings and based on our behaviors. So understanding, rather than trying to fit your life into this budget that you've created, make your budget fit your life. And so that's all kind of in that phase one process. It's like more of a discovery phase, figuring out who you are and how you relate to money and how you want to relate to money and what vision you want to create for your life. Then phase two is really getting out of debt. If you've got consumer debt, it's like how to pay off debt. And then phase three is building wealth. And if you don't have any debt, you can skip right from phase one to phase three and start building wealth. But the tools that you use to pay off debt, if you do it properly, are the same tools you'll continue to use to build wealth. And that's the thing that prevents people from going back into debt. I know lots of people who have paid off a credit card and then end up right back in debt later. And so what this is about is like, let's get out of that pattern and let's sort of create a life where sure you can have credit if you want it, but if we can do it with cash or we can do it, and I don't mean cash, like a bag of money, like Scrooge McDuck standing at the bakery <laughs> counter. I mean, like, you know, like money that you actually have, not imaginary money, Um if you can live your life that way, while your money is making more money for you, then um, you really can do anything. You can give more, you can enjoy more, you can help other people more, all kinds of things. So that's sort of like the, how the book's laid out. But I think the most important thing is in that phase one process is really, you know, if you are just starting out on your financial, and I know nobody is because everybody has to binge your, you can't listen to one episode of your podcast. You like, you listen to a Shauna episode and you're binging for life, but (laughs) <laughs> so all of your listeners are like already versed in money but what i would what i would tell them to tell someone else who's just new to the journey is like figure out like what what your earliest money memories are and then what patterns those created in you in your relationship to money and decide now consciously if you want to break those patterns or if they're serving you and if they're serving you then keep doing what you're doing but if you have like a negative money memory or something happened or you know in your childhood or in your teen years, that's like it sort of has imprinted you, then do the work to break that pattern because that's the, that pattern is the thing that's going to hold you in the same pattern you've been in your whole life. So if you've been in debt for five years or more, odds of you continuing to be in debt, even if you pay off a card or two are very, very high unless you break that pattern.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about talking about, the emotional side of money, the mindset around money, because I know 100% that 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 is the reason that we, our money story, I mean, we could wrap that all up together, but that, those are the reasons why we get in the spin where we're trying to achieve something and we just can't get there. And like, we just can't understand it. And when I was- A working uh, certified financial planner would have worked with clients. It's like, well, you're just in the, you're just kind of on the hamster wheel. It's not about the numbers. We can yes. keep pushing more money in the system here into your bank account. It's not about the numbers. We've got to really like hit the pause button. We got to come back and play in all this other stuff in the muck. When yeah. we figure out the muck, then we can hit the play button again on the money. And that's really where the change is going to happen. So I think what you're saying is, is so critical. I really wish like people, everyone listening, I really wish you would just like take some time and think about it. Like think about what you're telling them, Aaron, because this, I believe these are the keys to, to really changing your life and also future generations.
1: Yes. I think people don't have those conversations with their kids and then the kids end up just like figuring out like, how am I going to make it to payday versus what am I working towards? Right. What do I want? Especially if you're married, like I talked to lots of married couples. I'm sure you did too. When you were in your practice, but also now, is like, what do you want life to look like when you're 90? And they're like, I don't know, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I want to travel. I'm like, well, do you? Who do you want to wipe your butt? Like, what do you want? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Do you want to take a salsa class? Do you want to? Like, we just don't think about those things, and those little things become like part of the fabric of like, like, especially as you're like learning to enjoy. Like, for example, I did this work on myself like years and years and years ago. And I decided, oh, I want to live in Hawaii or I want to live near the ocean. That was my yes. biggest thing at the time. And I l- currently live in like landlocked, like Rocky Mountain type area. I was like, <laughs> uh, but I was like, I, I just know the oceans for me. I just know it. And then one day I thought, you know, I better try and live a day near an ocean that I want to live to see if that's actually true. Because what if I'm building this whole life and I get there and I'm like, this is not what I wanted, right? That would be awful. Yeah.
0: So.
2: then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts.
0: Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meaning from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards, We'll remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your
1: podcasts. I decided to learn to surf and I decided to learn and I loved it. And it turns out that it was true. And I am meant to live near the ocean and all of those things. But like, I think it's important to like set out and look at like, what is a day in your future life look like? And then I want you to go live that day to the best of your ability right now and put it in your bones and see how it feels and make tweaks to it if you need to, right? You might find like a lot of people say, oh, I want to live in a a condo building so I don't have to mow my lawn. Well, if you've never lived in a condo, like go rent an Airbnb that's in a condo building and see (laughs) if you still love it once those neighbors are tap dancing at three in the morning, right? Like, or maybe you need, maybe the answer is you need to live in a concrete condom, like who knows, right? But at least go explore and really look at these things because they actually impact every little decision that you make today, as well as the big ones.
0: It's such good advice. Yeah. I mean, we moved into a condo a few years ago, 10 years ago, and the, the realtor swore that the upstairs neighbor was very, very quiet. We wouldn't even hear a tap of a foot. Oh no, I don't <laughs> like that. laying yeah. awake, staring at the ceiling, just really oh. hoping you'd made it to another decision. But you're right. Like Testing out that that dream or that vision even to just say wait okay is this what I really want Mm -hmm. and how would I feel if I was if this was my every day like that that's so important because that's definitely going to change the roadmap of what you do with your money to actually get there or to reroute it and figure out oh I I think I want to go in a different direction maybe I want to live in the mountains I don't know right
1: yeah I've talked to um, this one gal who was like so funny and she was like you know, working woman and busy with kids and stuff. And she's like, when I retire, I just want to bake. Like I just want to cook and bake. I said, Oh, like, do you bake a lot now? She's like, No, I never do. And I'm like, Oh, so we made her like set up for a weekend and like made she at the end of the weekend, she's like, I hate baking. I'm going <laughs> to have Uber Eats <laughs> delivered to me, right? Right. So I'm like, okay, well, let's put that in the retirement budget and work backwards from that. Like, let's give you the life where you can dial up a baker and be like, listen, I need a dozen gingerbread cookies. Like you know what I mean? You don't know until you try it. We all and imagining it is one thing, and visualizing it's one thing, but really living it will really tell you, like, you know, how it's going to work out for you and whether or not it's the right choice.
0: Right. Sometimes the fairy tale version is is just meant to be that. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, one of the things that you that you talk about I, that I love is that your book is this kind of judgment judgment free zone, which is something I say about this show all the time, but. You know what are some ways that that judgment like keeps us trapped in our money cycles or habits? Maybe in good ways and maybe not so good ways.
1: Well, I really do think that the financial services industry is full of judgment and is designed that way to keep us needing them for expert advice. Meaning, like, um, you know, if we behave, if we you know get the right credit cards and get all the little pieces right and we behave then we get like a little pat on the head and when we fall short we should feel ashamed um and the credit collectors are going to call and embarrass us and all of that stuff so i think like removing that shame and really being like gosh like what what is actually real here what are the decisions i made cuz we know that everybody has the best intentions nobody nobody wakes up you know at the age of 8 and says mommy and daddy you know what i want to be when i'm older i want to be broke Like nobody does that. And so we have to really be mindful that like we can, um, a lot of the times like shame ourselves because of how like the suffering comes from the difference between how it actually is versus how we expected it to be. And so if we want to remove that suffering and remove that shame, we just have to look at how it actually is and be okay with that and really be mindful not to shame each other when we make financial mistakes either. Um, Mm. I was joking with some friends on Instagram this morning. I ordered these shoes. I treated myself to this pair of shoes I've had my eye on for quite a while. And I um, Black Friday'd them, and I couponed them, and I, you know, got them shipped to uh, Florida where I was going to be. And I had it all planned out, and I totally forgot. Which is like, you know, the first clue that you probably didn't need the shoes in the first place. But anyway, <laughs> I totally forgot, and I flew home. And I just messaged the concierge and said, oh, my gosh, was there a package delivered? And they said, yes, it came while you were here. Sorry, we forgot to tell you. And I'm like, no, that's no, my fault. So I'm like, I arranged the shipping for it to come back to where I am now so it can meet me where I'm at. And I arranged all that. And then I later logged in and I looked. and It cost me three times for the shipping that it did for the shoes.
0: Oh, so I was no. joking with my
1: friends. I'm like, follow me for more financial expertise. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> Do as um, I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah. And if that had been me 20 years ago, I would have felt so much shame. Like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, oh, I can't believe I didn't think about that. And oh, like, how could I forget? Like, I really would have been hard on myself. But now it's like, oh, Aaron, like, I realize that forever I'm going to be making financial mistakes. Not big ones anymore, right? Hopefully. But. I'm going to make mistakes. And so having a lot of grace for ourselves when we screw up is really critical so that we don't get stuck on what we did wrong. And we can focus now on how we can correct it or make things better going forward. Like I guarantee i will never make that mistake again, but I might, if I start telling myself, Oh, you're such an idiot. You don't deserve those shoes. You're, you know what I mean? I could get into like a real big shame spiral. And the shame spiral is also the thing that keeps us dependent on sort of the lenders at the bank. So Every time we screw up financially, when we feel bad about it, we walk in, you know, make an appointment at the bank and we feel bad and we're like, please, can you help me? Um, You know more than me. Like we're putting the bank in a position of power over us. When instead, when we get rid of that shame, we become empowered to make those changes for ourselves. And that's far more powerful and keeps us out of debt in the long run.
0: Yeah. That shame spiral is very real and it's very easy to get stuck in it. Yes. Well, I, I want to ask you, there's a, speaking of building wealth, there's a picture on your website of you and Oprah hugging.
1: Oh, <laughs> so I, I got to know more about that. Listen, that was a, oh my gosh, meeting Oprah was pretty amazing. I, I was raised by Oprah as most women were in the, if you grew up in the eighties or in the nineties. <laughs> um, and I, I, oh gosh, I don't even know where to tell you about that moment, it was. She's just amazing. I mean, she's more remarkable. I think that's what I said to her. I think I said you're more magnificent in person than I ever imagined, or something. But she, she. Oh gosh. I think what I learned from her is that, like that, it really is that shame piece. Like, Oprah was the first person I I ever experienced who had non-judgmental conversations with people about really hard things. Yeah. And so. I just think like, you know, given the opportunity to, to be face to face with her and tell her how much that impacted me was like absolutely critical to my life. So, I mean, that photo um, isn't on there because I'm like, I'm not a name dropper. I've met a lot of celebrities in my life and I don't, I'm not somebody who's like, and then, you know what I mean? Me and this (laughs) person, I'm, I'm quite shy and I like to be behind the scenes and all of that stuff. But I, that moment captured like that, I think is one of it's just so sacred for me given everything that has gone on in, in my life and how far like deep in the hole I was and how far I've come since and stuff. I just, yeah, that was a pretty cool moment.
0: Yeah. So you, you made this whole arc, you were in debt, you were kind of in the traditional money system and you kind of arced and figured out, okay, there has to be a better way to do this. And and you, you get yourself out of debt that sort of leads to this book if you, could, if you could go back and kind of rewind the journey for anyone listening, like what would you say some of your, you know, maybe top three or so pieces of advice or just motivating words that would be beneficial as, as you were going through that process and really sort of arcing, changing your thinking, changing how you were doing money, what, what would that be?
1: I think the thing that I would tell myself is like really have some intensity and energy behind it. It can be really easy when you're in debt to like feel like you're waiting a lot of the time. So the, I I got into the season where like if I knew payday was on Friday and it was Tuesday and I didn't have money in the account, I was just sort of like not living between Tuesday and Friday. I was just sort of waiting for the paycheck to hit so I could do something with that money and get for their head. And what I would tell myself now is like, listen that's four days. You can be innovative and creative. That's four days. You can like make some phone calls to reduce expenses. That's four days that you can, um, increase some revenue somehow or other you can create, you can do all kinds of things, but like put some intensity and energy behind it because the longer you wait, the longer it takes. And also like if, when you don't feel like you're doing anything, it slows the momentum down. And there's no shit. Honestly, if somebody's listening and you're like in debt right now and you're like, I just really want to be out of it. I don't know why. I just feel like it's not for me. Like there are people out there who are perfectly happy to be in debt. And I-, I don't like good for you. I don't care. I'm not somebody who's like, I'm not coming after you with giant scissors trying to cut up your credit <laughs> cards. I'm here for the people who are like, I hated the way it felt. I knew that I wanted something different. And if that's you and you're listening and you're like, I- I'm telling you, like, go after it. Even if you put a dollar a day down on your debt, every little bit that you do. It's not about the money, it's about the momentum. And that energy behind it and that like promise to yourself and that commitment allows you to see money in a different way and it allows more money to flow to you a little easier. Because instead of just focused on Friday and the payday, you're now open to opportunities like, oh gosh, like maybe you figure out a way to earn 10 bucks here and 30 bucks here and $15 here. There were times when I owed the government so much money, like over six figures. And I've made a $6.69 payment on that debt. And I laugh about it now, but it wasn't about the $6.69 or the cost to acquire that money or any of that stuff. It was about showing myself that come hell or high water, I was committed to getting it done. And those same money muscles that I built then are the same money muscles that I used to build wealth.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's just, it's so incredibly powerful. I love that analogy or just that frame of thinking that that it really is momentum because that's Really what it is, it's it's you having a conscious choice that you're going to do it differently and that you're going to let, even if it's a $6 payment, you're going to let that be okay and you're going to see that as a victory towards your end goal.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, because I feel like like so many people can get stuck with the the debt payoff or even if they're trying to save a large sum of money, maybe to, I don't know, they want to buy something, whatever it might be you can get stuck in, oh, that just feels like so overwhelming that, that Mm -hmm. amount of money. And there isn't, I mean, even if I put my $5 down, like that just seems ridiculous. But then what your brain does and your brain goes, well, why don't you just go out then and just spend more money?
1: yes (laughs) That's exactly what happened, Shauna. And like when people get a bonus, like at work, right? Like they'll wait and they'll think, okay, once I get my bonus for work, I'll put that into my, you know, 401k or I'll put that in my Roth IRA or I'll do something with that. But then by the time that bonus comes, they're like, oh, but I also haven't been to Mexico to an all-inclusive in a long period of time. So I think I'll like, so it's not like there's this old saying that like how you handle the pennies will be how you handle the dollars. And so it's also like training yourself to be like, listen, I told myself that that money was going to go towards that Roth IRA and I meant it. And I'm going to keep that promise to myself. And then I'll use you know the interest off of that to go to an all-inclusive or whatever, right? Like, but it's but it's about honoring those money promises that you that you make to yourself, no matter how big or small. That's really where the magic happens.
0: I love it. Well, Erin, this mm-hmm. has been so amazing. I really would love for you to tell everyone where they can go to connect with you and grab a copy of your book. Get the hell out of debt. And I, and when I say that name, I just like I have to give it some sort of like feeling behind it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, the book is available everywhere. It's at all the bookstores. And I would love if you support your local little independent bookstore, even if they don't have it in stock, you can order it from them. It usually takes a couple of days, but you can also get it from the big chains as well. And the big um, delivery, um, big box stores um, on the internets, social media everywhere. I met Erin Sky Kelly. It's just that simple. Sky has an E in it. Um, and I just think it's really important to also put the Kelly on the end because there is a porn star named Erin Sky, and we are both brunette. And so it does uh, confuse people sometimes, but that is not me. Though I do admire her ability to earn passive income.
0: Erin feels like a warm hug to me. When you're looking to achieve a big goal like getting out of debt, you wanna learn from someone who's really invested in helping you get there. And that is Erin. She moves you from judgment that keeps you locked in debt to a judgment-free zone where you not only ditch your debt, You also just feel good about your money, your future, your direction.
1: An official message from Medicare.
3: A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too.